This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. In just over an hour, students across the province will be walking out of class to protest the Ford government's cuts, notably the increases to some class sizes announced recently. Organizers are hoping these will be the biggest student protests in the province's history with up to 100,000 young people participating. And it's being organized by the same student advocacy group behind several recent protests, including uh, in September 2018, the sex ed curriculum demonstration that had some 40,000 students at 70 schools walking out of classes. And students aren't the only group who are protesting today. Uh, Ontario health care providers are calling for a reversal of cuts to supervised injection sites. They're starting their rally right now outside Queen's Park, and they'll deliver a petition with over 1,200 signatures. And in the last few weeks, of course, we've seen ongoing protests by the parents of autistic children. Those actually resulted in some changes. So I want to know what you think about all these protests. But here's what I also want to ask. Is this back to the future? Are we seeing the government of Mike Harris redux when it comes to labor strife and protest uh, almost constantly? So the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now we're going to Councillor Paula Fletcher, who will be joining the protest and political strategists. We've got Shakir Chambers of Navigator here for the first time. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Kim Wright of Kim Wright Strategies. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having us. Okay, let's start with you, Paula Fletcher. You are going to be participating in one of those protests. I am. The students uh, at three of the schools that will be affected by this crazy idea that's come out now from Queen's Park, they have invited me to attend, and I'm very happy to support them. Uh-huh. Okay. And what's your take, Shakir? Is the government making a misstep here? They announced increases to some class sizes in the older classes, and at one point the minister said, hey, it'll make the kids more resilient. Might not have been the best thing to say. Yeah, I think the the focus here, though, is the government's implementing changes to help students get more skills, math and literacy skills. We've seen the scores, very poor scores across the board. So they're implementing changes to try to help and improve uh, our province in, in that particular area. Uh, what do you say to people who say, well, they actually just want to cut teachers. They're putting in online courses. That's a way to cut teachers. I think that's a very lazy narrative, to be honest with you. Um, you can say t- cutting teachers, you can say what you want to say, but I think they're just trying to find a strategy that works best for the province. Again, We've had over 15 years of, of a strategy that's not working for students, um, not working for teachers. So they're implementing changes to try to make sure that we can go in a proper direction, improve our, give our kids the skills they need to get into the workforce, the labor force, and be productive. And I think these changes are going to help go in that direction. Kim? 
Well, I mean, generous, I suppose. But what he's suggesting is that this is about to work for the province. And what really we need to be focused on is working for our students. If you go back even into the Harris years, when they implemented the EQAO, which is the province-wide testing, the concern that were raised by parents and students and advocates across the education sector was that you weren't actually going to be helping students, you were going to be teaching to the test. What we've seen all these many years later is is actually a validation of that perspective. People knew and they understood that if you were just going to focus on teacher testing and student testing, that what you were going to get were uh, teaching to the test, back to rote learning, and basically what real estate agents could sell for fancy neighborhoods. But it wasn't going to improve test scores overall for kids. And what we're now seeing is continued to go back into this more and more students in the classroom and frankly, if the province didn't think that 45 members of uh, council in Toronto was appropriate, certainly 45 kids in a classroom is certainly not appropriate. I, I don't think uh, I saw anything about 45 kids in a classroom. Well, well, Paula Fletcher? Average, when you get into averages, uh, some, of those stu- some of those classes will be 45 kids. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is a lot. Uh, Paula Fletcher, yeah. how do you respond to Shakir's points? Look, it sounds like he's writing ad copy for the provincial government. I'm quite shocked uh, that this is just unbelievable. A bomb has been thrown into education. It started with sex ed, and the students came out and said, what do you mean you're going to give us a curriculum from 1998? There was no internet. Nobody texted. There wasn't all of the issues that teenagers and others have to face. And then they got into a big cow pie with the autistic kids and the parents, and they've not satisfied this important group of people in the province. In fact, many of these kids will have to just go into the regular classroom without the supports they need. And now they're saying class size should be so high, up to 28, and we know that means 30, 31, to 32. As someone has been involved in education, the best learning is in smaller classes, bringing the class size down, particularly in these difficult days in uh, the economy and in Toronto, is the number one thing for student success. What do you... That's just a lot of hogwash as far as I'm concerned. You say hogwash. What do you say to the argument that really the curriculum has to be modernized when you're looking at online classes? I mean, these days people do everything online. And again, the issue of modernization, the issue of bad performance in in math and science. You know, there are uh, always... um, Kids that are not going to be on the whole spectrum, there is teaching to the test. This EQAO, there's a lot of money there. I would support testing at the beginning of grade three to see what the kid needs to learn by the end of grade three. My son wrote that. and he's Sorry, have we lost you? And he wasn't a stupid Sorry, kid. we. I, I think you cut out there for a bit. Can you repeat I'm that? Sorry. Yes, I'm just talking about standardized testing, all the things that Mike Harris brought. Okay. Uh, You're not in a good spot, Paula. Uh, Kim, uh, again, uh, don't you think that our education system needs a bit of modernizing? What we need is absolutely to make sure that kids are learning about science, technology. We also need to make sure that, you know, arts and culture, all of those things that we need to make sure that the right brain and the left brain are working. 
One of the challenges that the province hasn't quite thought about uh, in terms of, well, we're going to make sure that there's at least one online class every year is, first of all, there are an awful lot of children in, in this province, uh, in every community, that don't have computers at home. And so how are they going to access those services, especially as we've seen in a number of communities, libraries being cut back, uh, and, and how, you know, that, that puts these kids at a disadvantage. I also don't believe that when you're in uh, an elementary elementary or or secondary system uh they those kids need the benefit of engaging with engaging with teachers engaging with their uh, with their peers and i think that gets lost when you just say well we need to modernize modernization is great but what does that mean in a practical sense especially for kids who learn in different ways uh but certainly we have to con- consider the socioeconomic uh issues which is why we have frankly public schools to begin with Okay, let's take a call from John in Brampton. Hi, John. Hi. Um, I guess I'd like to ask, without standardized testing, how do you know you're achieving the desired result? It's like trying to hit a target that you can't see. And as far as all these kids taking the day off, well... When I was in high school and somebody said you could take the day off the protest, I would have said yes. So I'm sure they'll get a good support in that way. But the, the teachers are doing the kids a great disservice by promoting, I guess, the wrong values. Okay, John, thanks for that. You're also a little uh, hard to hear. Uh, you know, this, these protests are starting at 1.15. Uh, there are some people who are saying that protests should not be allowed on school property. Uh, full disclosure here, I remember leading at least one student strike when I was in high school. Uh, there might have been more that I don't remember. It was a while ago. Uh, so that's another question. Is this uh, appropriate to allow students to protest on school property? Uh, you know, from my perspective, absolutely. My mother used to say to me from a very young age that never let somebody say your opinions aren't valid just because of your age or your gender. And for me, it has always been about this is their students learning conditions. It is about their their shared experience, but also this is their lived reality right now. They should have a component, a, a say to this. And if they do not feel uh, that they're getting the best quality of education, then they absolutely should be given that opportunity to say, this is not what we're looking for. This is what we need. And what you're doing uh, by trying to say, well, there's just a bunch of students and they're being put up to this by the teachers unions, uh, that negates a whole bunch of people who frankly know what they're doing and know how they're, uh, what they feel and, and trying to block uh, their, their expression. What we saw is an entire group of students uh, through Throughout the, certainly throughout the Harris years uh, that knew what they were protesting for. Sure, there's always going to be some who are just coming along for the ride, but we certainly saw a number of student activists uh, who got involved in politics and who are now very heavily involved in public policy for the remainder of their lives. Paula Fletcher, you've taken a bit of flack for participating in this, and as I said, there are people who say, hey, this shouldn't be allowed on school property. What is your response to that? Well, 
That's kind of condescending because the teachers aren't organizing this. These are high school students. They organize dances, they organize fairs, they organize bake sales, and they're organizing a protest because they're very unhappy about what will happen to their education. And I'm not organizing the protest. I'm going because they said, could you please come and support us? And as a local councillor, I think education is very important. I think it's important for our economy to have well-educated, resilient students. And I don't think they become resilient by having them crammed like sardines into a classroom. The most important relationship for learning is between that student and that teacher, that adult. And breaking that down and making it weaker is not good for the system, and it really isn't good at the end of the day for the economy. Shakir, what's your view? Listen, it's, it's your, your democratic right to protest. Um, we can debate whether it's appropriate on school grounds or not, but I think... Do you the, think it is? I mean, my personal opinion, it's, it's, it's appropriate to protest. Listen, kids have, have a voice, be, their voice should be listened to, but I think at the end of the day, um, solutions need to be put forth. Uh, this government is making changes because they believe some reforms are necessary. Um, there needs to be an approach to education that works for all kids, all communities, and as I said before, you need to prepare students for the labor force, right? There are em- employers and industries that are saying these math skills are crucial, kids need to learn these skills, and the government is making these changes so kids can learn these skills. Um, I think this is very important. The education minister uh, has said she's not going out to talk to the protesters to meet them. Do you think that's the right approach? Uh, do you think, I mean, I'm just wondering if everything is just getting so confrontational. As a government, you, I, don't, I don't think you should be meeting with every protest that happens. Um, you have your role to play. But what I will say about this government, we've seen that there have been protests and they have listened, right? Unlike the previous government who wouldn't listen to uh, to other consultants or uh, sorry, other groups who had uh, opinions on matters, this government has seen that if they if you have an opinion or they see they've rolled out a policy that needs to be tweaked, they will go back, they will listen to people who are protesting and they will make the necessary changes. At this point in education, they do feel they're doing the right thing. They do feel they're taking the right approach, and they do have support. Regardless of what you're hearing on this on this interview right now, they do have support, widespread support, because they have consulted, largest consultation in the province's history, and they're moving forward with the reforms. And we'll see I'm, what I'm how just the wondering work. if in the largest consultation that everyone wrote in and said they wanted larger class sizes. I don't really think that was the case. I don't think it's a matter of larger class sizes. Again, it's the average class size, and the class sizes are actually being put in line with other Canadian jurisdictions, right? So this is not a matter of just, I mean, I think you threw out the number 45 earlier. I don't know where you're getting these numbers from. I don't know why there's so much fear marketing, but we would expect this from, from people on, on this side. So I think at the end of well, the day, they're making reforms in education. Excuse me, excuse me, sorry. They're making here. reforms in education. And again, they feel that the reforms they're making are going in the right direction. Um, we'll see what happens when the changes are implemented, but you cannot sit here and say the past 15 years, there hasn't been a failed policy of, of, of low math scores, uh, low math scores, teachers who are don't have the math education themselves teaching younger kids these math yeah, skills. That doesn't make any sense. That's another thing. They're thinking of giving math tests to teachers. Let's hear from Doug in Mississauga. Hey, Doug. Hi, how are you? Fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I guess my uh, my point would be that if, if the students are truly truly protesting because they're so upset about the quality of education all of a sudden that they will be receiving in the future. Not that they're receiving now. Then why haven't they been protesting over the last couple of years as they've been finding out that their scores on all of the uh, standardized testing for math, sciences, English, all of the things that actually determine whether they're going to get into a university and can compete for a spot in a university... Why haven't they been protesting that those scores are very low 
and the quality of the education that they're actually receiving has been very poor. I'll throw that out there, Doug. Thanks for that. Look, those kids are talking about, if, if you think that adding 8 to 10, maybe up to 15 high school students in a class, uh, is going to improve education, I don't think we're talking about the same thing, Doug. Uh, when you put classes together, when a principal puts classes together, they have many things they have to take into account. There might be special learning classes. Those have to be very small, so those other students are going into a larger class. There are a lot of ways this is done. But this thing, in focusing on, well, the scores haven't improved, I don't think anyone would say scores will improve by having more students and less teachers. Kids need to have attention and they need to have a relationship with the teacher in order to be successful. That's just ground zero. Okay, and this let's will make it worse. Let's uh, hear from a former teacher, Roxana in Guelph. What's your perspective? What grade did you teach, Roxana? Hello. Um, thank you for taking my call. I'm a former teacher in an East European country. I'm familiar with educational system very well. Um, first of all, politicians should stay away of this system. Not only they don't understand it, their interest is pure financial. It's wrong. Education should not be negotiable. Uh, the issue related to computers. Computers should be limited. Teachers are complaining many, many times that uh, kids can hardly pass, uh, you know, the EQAO in the literature and uh, English language. You have to put more books on their tables than computers. Otherwise, they will not learn ever. Uh, we are well, thinking- that's that's one view. You have to be pretty fluent in computers to get by in the world today. But I, I get your point. Um, and so I would assume that uh, you're in favor of these protests, Roxana. Oh, madam, I, I'm on a cell phone. I apologize. Sometimes I don't hear everything you say. I'm just trying to make a point because education, I consider education the most important thing. And what's going on right now, it's not okay. Okay, Roxana. Thank you for that. Let's hear from Ron in Guelph. Hi, Ron. Hi, Libby. I'm not trying to hog the airways, but I, I just go back in the chiropractor. Oh. So, listen, here's the, the long and the short. I just saw a story in the paper yesterday. The math results, the EQA uh, results are getting worse every year between the grade threes. I drive a school bus, so I see the kids and I talk to the teachers. My son's in grade 12, graduating this year. And in Quebec, they have what they call SAGEP. Are you familiar with that? Absolutely. I'm from Quebec. Okay. Did I know the principal intimately at the school. I drive for French Immersion. And he unequivocally said, he said, I agree with your son. The Quebec system is much better than it is in Ontario. They're graduating better students. And this is coming from the principal. My son got accepted to Concordia, but he had to get an average of 80% to be able to get into Concordia. He got accepted in the fall to the Ontario universities, which accepted lower standards with only a high 60 average. And yet, uh, the Quebec, they have a higher standard of getting into their universities from Ontario's high schools. Oh, so, congratulations that your son got into a university that he wants to go to. That's good. Well, he had to work that much harder. I'm 
Um, you must be proud of him. Enough to remember when we used to have grade thirteen and you had to prevent, pass a provincial exam, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was in that era. I came through the late sixties and high school and early seventies, and I saw that at one time you could get accepted at university anywhere in North America with an Ontario grade thirteen graduation certificate, and now it's uh, to the point where. Somebody I know at the alumni at the University of Michigan says they won't accept a um, graduate certificate from Ontario. You need to pass an entrance exam. Uh, I honestly, thanks for that. I, I have no idea, but thank you for your call, Ron. We are starting to run out of time on this. Paula Fletcher, what would you like to leave us with? I'd like to leave you with saying I'm very proud of all of the young people who are so resilient. They know enough to protest something bad that is going to happen where you would add per up to 10 more teens in a class with one teacher. And I think this is blowing up the system and all the rhetoric about the scores. And I heard all of that when I was a trustee. This is just ideological. Save money, take out the money, and say we're helping the system. That just isn't true, Libby. Okay, Kim Wright? I'm incredibly proud and encouraged by these uh, students that are out protesting and that they're they're using their voice in a number of ways, whether it's on social media channels, traditional media, I've seen them on a number of uh, uh, platforms. They know what they're talking about. They have well thought out positions and they understand their, their perspective, their lived experience, and are trying to make things better for the next generation behind them. And I applaud that, whether it's these uh, the students uh, today at high school, the students uh, yesterday at Daughters of the Vote uh, in, in Ottawa who voiced their opinion about our political leaders. Uh, and, you know, what they're doing is important, and I think they should be validated and, and applauded for it. Okay. And Shakir? Um, I would just say, at the end of the day, this government's implementing reforms in education. Um, as we heard from some of the callers uh, today, there's clearly support for the government's position. While Paula and Kim might not support it, I think the average Ontarian is actually very supportive of this. They want to prepare kids for their futures. They want to make sure they get jobs when they leave school. So they're preparing them with the skills necessary in order to get those jobs. So I think moving forward, the government does have its mandate, and it's moving forward on its mandate to implement change where it deems it necessary. Okay, well, uh, I think this is certainly not the last that we have seen and heard about all of that. I'm sure that we will be revisiting these topics really soon. In the meantime, thank you so much to Shakir Chambers, Kim Wright, and Paula Fletcher. Thank you, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.